0: Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Cheers to Beers. I'm your host, Jess keller And today's episode is a straight up Jess and Shauna episode. She's back. We're um, kind of, we, we review a little bit about uh, the last episode, The Art of Beer 3, that was with Casey Callahan. And uh, kind of get a little bit more in depth into what's going on there. Um, and some stuff from our perspective as well. But to be honest, it's just been a, a kind of crazy few weeks for the both of us, so uh, we're just kind of catching up. And we're getting into some topics related to homebrewing as well. Um, before we get into that a little bit, we're going to talk about what I'm drinking right now, which is cold coffee with too much creamer in it. <laughs> I, uh, Like I said, there's a lot going on, so I don't have the time to be drinking a beer at the moment. But you know your girl is at it any other time. Check the Instagram, uh, justjustbeer. But yeah, um, for those who don't know, uh, Shauna is a homebrewer, BJCP judge as well. And it's kind of how she got into beer a little bit, was kind of figuring out the process on her own. And uh, she's also a part of the governing committee for the AHA, which is the American Homebrewers Association. Um, So she has some really good insight and advice about homebrewers and something that Humbers get like a little bit of hate. I don't know. There's definitely some sort of stereotype related to that. But if you know us and you know what we teach about, we're just kind of about breaking down stereotypes and barriers. And like, you know, we're all, we all love beer and we're all in it together. So why are we judging each other for certain interests? So basically, like, if you have an interest in homebrewing, but you don't really know where to start, uh, this episode is going to have some resources and tips on how to get started and find a community and some support on how you can start brewing your own beer in your home. I mean, what else are we doing? It's still a pandemic. I know people like to act like it ain't, but it is. So, you know, stay home, brew some beer, drink some beer. That's what it's about. Also, throughout the episode, we do mention AHA as well as BA. If you're not familiar, uh, B.A. is the Brewers Association and the A.H.A., the American Homebrewers Association kind of falls under the B.A. So you hear us throwing around those acronyms. That's what that means. Also, Shauna tells a really great story about being at HomebrewCon a few years ago. And the woman who gave a seminar, she couldn't remember while we were recording her name. But her name is Amanda Burkemper. And um, I'll throw that in the description as well as a link to the AHA. They have a lot of, uh, the homebrew con this year was online. It's unfortunate we were supposed to go to Nashville and teach a class there, but it didn't end up working and they had to cut down a lot of the content. But a lot of that is online and free to access. So again, some more homebrewing tips or just like expanding your knowledge a little bit, kind of get a different perspective than maybe the typical groove and people and jargon that you're used to in whatever industry you work in. So that will be in the uh, description as well. So yeah, it's just Sean and I hanging out, talking about homebrewing, venting a little bit, and, you know, shooting the shit. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, This episode, we are talking about why homebrewers should submit to local competitions, the COVID impacts on the AHA and the BA, and some news and recommendations in the wine and cider world as well. Uh, So grab whatever you have in the fridge. We weren't drinking anything in particular I honestly don't even remember what I was drinking (laughs) during this episode. Let's be honest. It was probably a lager. That's all that's in my beer fridge right now. As always, um, check us out at Seattle Beer School on Instagram as well as SeattleBeerSchool.com to kind of see some other beer stuff that the two of us are doing. But yeah, crack open that can and let's get into it. Cheers. It's so
1: funny. I was listening to um, the Casey podcast and... Um, my mom was kind of listening and whatever she she got all upset, not upset. She was like, like all the curse words. And I was like, oops, sorry. (laughs) I was like, mom, that was tame. I was like, (laughs) so I was like, I think I'm, I need to like be in a separate room for this. She was like, you know, I just think that if you want to be professional, be taken
0: seriously, that's what's so funny because any <laughs> criticism I've gotten about professionalism is related to swearing. I um in college I had a blog called another fucking music blog and that's such I remember a good name. <laughs> I I remember showing it to one of my friends and she's like, "You know your content's really good, but I I just feel like maybe you should take fucking out of the title." And I'm like, "No, that's the whole point." That's the whole fucking <laughs> point.
1: Also, I think it must have something to do with um, being ladylike.
0: Mm, probably.
1: I mean, I get it. I'm not going to curse left and right if I'm like, I don't know, in an old folks home.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or like if I'm around a lot of children, I like curb it a little bit. But
1: yeah, I mean, it's people who are listening to this podcast aren't going to be like, "Ooh, my word. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And it's funny because Apple Podcasts, you have to label if it's explicit or not. Um, So it's like, you know what you're getting into if you see the little E next to the name of the podcast. (laughs) I was just
1: talking about this with my mom again yesterday. I've been spending a lot of time with my mom. That makes sense. Anyway. (laughs) So I was like talking about, I was like, isn't it Al Gore's wife who was all like into putting like explicit on albums and stuff like that? Right, wasn't it her?
0: I have no idea that it's so random. It isn't is. her name
1: freaking Tipper?
0: Tip, what? No, Tip- I have no idea. Tipper Gore? Okay, because
1: Gore heard her 11 year old daughter Karina playing Darling Nikki by Prince. And I guess it was inappropriate, it contained mm-hmm. explicit content. And that's when they started doing the parental advisory stickers.
0: Those stickers limited me from buying so many CDs in music stores. I think it's stupid. It's a form of, like, you know,
1: uh, getting in the way of free speech.
0: Right. I think that it made more sense in, like, the 90s and early 2000s when maybe there wasn't as much internet access i don't know by that time there was plenty of internet access i feel like now it's so easy it's easier if your kid's like i want this for you to like kind of look up what it is um so maybe it's like just not as relevant anymore but i don't know i just feel like listen
1: to it you listen to it with your kid you're like oh okay weeks that's probably not good for their age group and then you talk to them about it and you just, just take it away i don't know
0: I think that talking to them about it is a good point because so many parents don't want to talk about anything with their kids. There you go. Yeah. That was our parenting corner.
1: Yeah. The, uh, we're going to, we should start a new, uh, it could be a side segment of this cheers to beers, like just about parenting advice, <laughs> but it's about stuff that we've never actually done.
0: And should be noted that only one out of the two of us is a parent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You have two (laughs) beautiful kitties. That's true. Dude, you know what? Fuck tips. I am so sick and tired of tips. Like, I can't. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are. That's not how we just have to stop it. It's like so. I get it. Like, but like, that's just not a sustainable way to live. I don't know. Maybe I'm just so sick of doing it for so long in my life that like. (sighs) Yeah. And I can't. It's hard to get away from it. I mean, I don't mind bartending. I mean, I think it's fun. And like mm-hmm. doing the beer, like I I like doing that stuff, but I also just like don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, I got it. I totally got it. <sighs> uh, but it's just like these business ideas and people getting paid what they're worth. Um, mm-hmm. And like for so long, even just artists. Yeah. And maybe I've just been like doing free work as an actress I did or like free work or like you do this and you do that and you get paid Not livable wages because you're like, someday, right? Someday it's going to be worth it. But it's like, how? No. How long can you do that? No. I love the way that you, like, that that was one of the best podcasts. I mean, all your podcasts are great, but I mean, like, the one with Casey was really good because it hit so many points. It made me so fiery. I was like, so mad, but also happy. It was really, it's really interesting to me. And, It was inspiring and I learned a lot because, you know, I, I'm not an artist in that way. Um, it's, but there's similarities, like people working for free Mm -hmm. for exposure Mm -hmm. or like, at least you get to just do it. Um, but it's like, you don't see like a, a carpenter just fucking making someone a desk and for free for exposure so people could see the desk. It's like, no, dude, you have to pay me for it. But, you know, she's talking about, I see this, like, okay, so the craft beer movement, right, starting whatever time, long time ago, at this point, long time ago, over 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Oh, my God. And, yeah, you know, those are small, like, pull up by your bootstraps sort of, like, people taking a chance on, like, trying your beer when they could buy something they know what tastes like. And, like, mm-hmm. truly, like, artists making things, right, or you're calling yourself mm-hmm. artisans. Yeah. And then you get you get bigger and you get better and you've been around for a long time or at least you're successful monetarily and then you want to hire someone to help you an artist and then you're going to treat them poorly like dude what if people didn't give you a chance or like give support you or like like you it's the same we've like come up with we've talked about this before people like not being empathetic to people going through the same exact thing you went
0: through. Right. Totally.
1: It's like, why not just be aware of that and be like, I get it. Like maybe someone's like, Oh, I didn't put the artist's name on the can. Thank you for letting me know next time around, we're going to shout them out. Great. You could learn yeah. be better. It's fine. But then if you just like continually don't like, what does that say about you?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there is a lot more to, you know, defining yourself as a brand and as a person. I mean, of course, there's going to be consumers always who just drink your beer because they like your beer and that's where it ends. But, you know, for us, this is our industry. This is our livelihood. And there's a lot of different facets of that, a lot of different types of people in this industry in so many different ways that really kind of see what that means, you know. And I think my favorite point that she made was just like, it doesn't matter who you are in the brewery or in this industry, like whether you're literally a barback or if you're a head brewer, like you're you have to see how everyone's being treated because if there's like obvious like favoring of aspects of the industry or your company and it's not that same respect isn't being translated into other areas then it's just like you got to be a little suspect of that and, and kind of wonder like why is it because they really don't give a shit is it because they see bartenders as disposable probably
1: yeah which you know is the turnover rate higher? Maybe because that's the nature of the business. But you can see the, right. the breweries that don't have a high turnover. Cloudburst is one. I mean, it's a teeny mm-hmm. tiny, you know. But like, they're for the most part. I mean, I don't know all the bartenders, but like, I don't know. It's just, I think like you're right. Like, if you see how people are treated, it's it's not it's not good enough. Even like the mm-hmm. the best of the breweries. Um, you know, have places, things to work on. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. It's just like, I'm still, I guess I'm still just mad about certain aspects of my past. Me too. Yeah, and
0: I, and you know,
1: I just haven't let it go maybe, but like, I oh. wanted
0: to, yeah. <laughs> I uh, recently had a kid come in to Aslan. I say kid because he, he looked like he was in his early twenties. Oh, and, Yeah, I started chatting with him and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm a homebrewer. And part of me got all excited because I'm seeing a young kid who's saying that he's into homebrewing. And this is something that you've mentioned a lot is like Mm -hmm. with the AHA trying to get younger people involved. And so I was like, oh, great. I'm going to chat him up a little bit and encourage him to keep doing it. And we're talking about like, I was like, are you in a homebrewing club? You know, like, do you go to Sound Supply? Like, you know, just making him excited about it still. I don't want people to not be involved. You know what has your experience been in terms of homebrewing? Like, what got you involved? And like, do you see other young people, younger people, like in the community, or is it really just feel like it's kind of uh, mostly run by like older dudes? You know,
1: I feel like it's shifted slightly. Like, I I got into it in New York just because I got into beer and I wanted to know how you made it. And so like I took a class at seriously, I mean, there's a lot of good homebrew shops, but I always have a place in my heart for bitter and esters in Brooklyn. Uh, they did like in brew on premise. So you could like learn to brew. Fun. Premise. Yeah. And um, my in-laws got me a like brew on premise party. So it was like invite six people and they teach you to How brew. Fun. It was so great. So like um, my experience was always it just being really fun and, I joined the club that was attached to that to that, um homebrew shop called uh, the Bruminaries, but I would never have been in big into the clubs. Personally, I just like Josh and I did it together. That's fun at first, and Josh is probably would be a probably a better brewer than me to be honest because he's like a little more into like the gadgets and like you know, uh, mm, yeah, I, I don't know following recipes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or I'm more into like, um, you know, sort of the app, the product that comes afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. but he's kind of stopped getting into it. And I got more into it. Uh, and I just kind of did it by myself. Like I didn't do it with anyone else. I just liked doing it because it taught me about just beer in general, like how it's, mm-hmm. you know, why those things smell like that. um, So, and then I moved to Denver and I didn't know any other home brewer and I didn't join a club then. I don't know why I'm anti-club. I don't, I'm not anti-club. I don't know why I've never really joined a club. Right. I think it was always because I was, for the most part, brewers, a lot of home brewers aren't in the industry as well. Totally. Yep. They can, they overlap for sure. I know a lot of people, a lot of younger people who are home brewers are also, um, Working in a brewery,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but a, yeah. the demographic. And I, I can look back on some like records, but it started like so many engineers being homebrewers. That makes sense. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like and dudes doing it because it just kind of was like, I don't know, it just kind of white dudes doing it. That kind of just happens all the time with any hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, but or then like their wi- their um their women their women would get involved. <laughs> like the wives would get involved and like then cheese making and mead making. So like fermentation mm-hmm. in general, people got to yeah. like cheese and stuff like that. I think I've said cheese three times in the last sentence. <laughs> um, So I don't know. It's hard for me to know. Cause I've just never joined a club, but um, I know younger people are always people you want to get more and more involved because I don't know. Younger people are the best. They have more energy. They have yes. more time. I mean, like young people always have better ideas, and yeah, like,
0: they're not I quite don't. Dated.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know that if a younger person had an, an idea about brewing or beer, like beer education, I'd be like, "What are they doing?"
0: Yeah, totally. And, yeah, and there, there definitely seems to be like, especially if like you don't have a hobby necessarily, and it's something you get into, and then you have the time. If you're like a single person or whatever, it's like you have the time to dedicate to something and like do the reading and do the research. And I think, um, you know, it seems like that's where a club comes in handy is being able to like share techniques and recipes Mm -hmm. and be like, Hey, have you worked with this yeast before? Like what exactly goes on? It seems to me like that'd be a good way to like make friends, especially if you're saying a lot of homebrewers aren't in the industry necessarily. And like you have friends that go to tap rooms with you or whatever, but if you want to like find more like nerdy friends about it, it seems like, a club is kind of the way to go. I guess I'm kind of curious, like how many young people are in clubs around Seattle too. I mean, we've judged competitions that are, you know, homebrew competitions, but you don't see them. You just like see their name and what their beer is. So you have no idea.
1: I was just going to bring that up. Like the best thing about clubs, at least personally for me is the competitions
0: that come out of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that it seems to me like the most beneficial thing about Submitting your homebrew to a competition isn't to win an award; it's to get direct feedback from professionals. Because then it's like your friends can say whatever the fuck they want, but like to get information from like BJCP judges who know what the fuck they're talking about, like that's pretty valuable information.
1: Oh yeah, especially like being thorough about it. And I remember I listened to, I went to a homebrew con and went to a seminar by this woman I forget her name, Um, and she was younger. She was probably. In her 30s and she was like up there in ranking um which is another side topic of like a the cicerone certification stuff happening right now is going to be a mess like the tasting portion um i have no idea then, how it's going to go and then bjcp rankings and like rankings only matter because they are experienced so it's like the more experience you have in theory you should be better about giving feedback but um you know her advice was to only write down what you're experiencing, not what you think is going on.
0: Ooh, that's great advice.
1: Yeah. So it was really like it stayed stuck with me. There was a lot of things that she said. and I feel like an asshole for not remembering her name. Um I'll have to look it up. Um
0: Yeah, I, I can add it in later.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean it was three years, this is like four years ago now. So my mom's ain't the same as you used to be. <laughs> Uh, but, anyways, yeah, it's like those kind of things are so helpful, and having clubs like that. Um, mm-hmm. I just think there's some clubs that are probably just so completely different than others. Like, depending, I know the one in Brooklyn was just so many younger people,
0: like That's 20s cool. and
1: 30s. That mostly, yeah, and like the people who were like president, vice president, or chancellor, whatever they called it, were all young. But, yeah, and by young, cool. I mean under 50. Right. Yeah. And also, like, <laughs> no disrespect to older people, retirees, or like, because you, we, it goes without saying that you have a lot of knowledge and that you've seen, like, the ups and downs and what things have, like, legislation that's happened and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, it's just always good to get fresh blood because otherwise, an HA and the BA have been through so many changes in the last three months like let go of 22 people.
0: Yeah, that's crazy, man.
1: One of which was the 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 you know, the president, the the face of the HA. That's right. Nice. Yeah.
0: Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, you know, definitely in like the 2000s, like mid to late 2000s, it was like I felt like there was kind of a, a boom in people getting interested in homebrewing because craft brewing was more accessible and there was like kits you could buy at like target and shit that were like homebrew kits. So it's kind of interesting because there was definitely a little momentum there with like the idea of homebrewing because people are getting into beer. But at the same time, I think because people have so much access to really good craft beer that people maybe aren't as interested necessarily in doing it themselves because they're mm-hmm. like, Well, I have, I have a friend who does it or like I'm friends with this brewer or like, why would I try to make my own beer when I have five breweries in my neighborhood? Um, So it's interesting because I think both the, I think the popularity of craft beer has both uh, and I don't have any numbers. This is just my speculation, but I think it's contributed both to interest in home brewing and maybe not as much interest just because there's more access. So it's interesting to like think about demographics and age because of that where you know, it's something that I was fascinated by when I moved to Seattle and started working in uh room, is like how many like 21 year olds, not only were going to breweries, but like knew about beer, they like knew the different styles and how to order and they would ask genuine questions. Whereas when I was that age, not oh, only was God. I not really drinking beer, but I didn't know shit, you know, so there is an interesting, I don't know, correlation between that. There's definitely interest and there's more knowledge available, but I don't know how much that contributes to people actually like wanting it wanting to do it themselves
1: well it's crazy Um, because over the um the pandemic the like you could see homebrew shops like uptick in sales
0: yeah which is great
1: Uh, yeah and especially if you're not um i mean i guess i could look i could probably find the information and put the numbers together about like um craft breweries versus and then like homebrew homebrewing in general and they, Mm -hmm. they kind of are both they both kind of go up about the same Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's not, like, devoted homebrewers. Like, there's 46,000, 45,000 people in the HA about. And, like, that's a lot. Um, That is. But people who end up going to the conferences is much less. Definitely. But something that we learned is that the digital one this year was very successful. Because... Really? Yay! Yeah. Which is great, because, like... Oftentimes it costs a lot to like go to Nashville for four days and have room and accommodation. Like that's something that like if you're retired or you have the means to do, but I don't think a lot of 25 year olds are going to be like, right. I'm going to go to um, a homebrew con.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Although I, I I'm into it, but. Oh yeah. And the idea for me of like getting to go to, cause you know, it's in a different city every year, like being able to travel, see new scenes, like, But again, this is our profession. (laughs) Like, of course, that's something we want to do. But that's a good point that that accessibility, I think, is important for sure. And hopefully we will contribute to, you know, just more participation in general, but hopefully more younger people. And it's
1: crazy because you're right. You hit it right in the head. Like there was a time when you couldn't get a, I don't know, grisette very easily. So Mm -hmm. you're like, well, I'm going to brew it. That'll be fun. But it takes a certain type of person to, like, get really into it. And, like, because it takes a lot of, like, I mean, I'm just kind of a perfectionist. So it's, like, the last couple batches of beer I made, I was, like, dump it. (laughs) But, I mean, if you're used to drinking, like, freaking just, like, amazing beer and then you're, like, try my uh, Chinook pale ale. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Or like some shitty wit that, you know, isn't that good because my system is old. Like, you know,
0: right. Yeah. But
1: then yeah. you're like, oh, well, I want to learn how to do it. Let's do it. Let's do brew in a bag or let's do extract with this. And it's fun. Right. I learned how to do it. And that's it. And that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's a gateway too for a lot of people, right? Like most mm-hmm. people who start breweries were home brewer or they mm-hmm. hire people that were.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is, it is really important, even though obviously the system working at a full brewery is much different than, you know, brewing in your basement or your kitchen. But, um, the importance of knowing what's going on, it it gives you so much more knowledge and so many more problem solving skills because I, I don't brew. I've helped brew like on like a five to 15 barrel system. But when I say help, it's not really much. Um, <laughs> I'm not like controlling temperature or anything. I'm fucking graining out or adding hops. Um, but uh, you know you you have to know what the process is to be able to, you know, like troubleshoot and, um, you know, build recipes, change recipes trial and error. And I think that if you're a home brewer, you already have kind of like a leg up in terms of knowledge in what makes a good beer, a good beer versus your average beer drinker. And not to say that that's better or worse, but I think it is very valuable information because before really like getting more into, uh, like studying and teaching beer, the beer, the brewing process was my weak point. So it did take me a lot more to study that because I hadn't been as involved. And if I did homebrew, that would have been a different story.
1: I mean, I'm the type of person that if I'm not, if I don't do it, then I'm really hard for me to learn. I feel the exact same way. So like studying is especially hard for me. A because I'm a little bit scattered person. I'm like, what? What's that? Huh? Huh? <laughs> did someone say beer? Uh, if I like don't write it down, or like if I don't do if I don't tr- do it or say it out loud, or like especially with brewing, right. like I'd be like, wait lauter, wait sparge, like what is that? Right. Yeah. Like what? And it's cool because then you could start to, as you said, troubleshoot just in general. Like if you're working in a brewery, most of what you're doing is troubleshooting. <laughs> oh no doubt. I mean, or cleaning. It'd be cleaning, troubleshooting, yelling. Um, and then probably eating teriyaki. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Definitely, but I mean, I don't know. I like brewing because it's fun. Just same thing with cooking. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're if you're super into food, if you're a foodie, I would imagine you also like to dabble in the kitchen. Um, yeah. Or if you make bread, like. And not all people are into that. They're like, I just want to enjoy it, and blah blah blah. But I, I wonder about like, I don't have any psalm friends, which is an interesting fact. Do you have any sommelier friends?
0: Oh my god, when you said psalm, in my head, I was thinking like psalm, like oh. church. I was like psalm friends. Ah, uh, no, I don't. I don't have any psalm friends. Um, which is interesting. We should. Yeah.
1: I, it they're just very separate industries. um but like, I guess they i I don't know. I guess I have to make a oh, I do. I do have one. I feel like I'm an asshole. i Jackie, she joined us for some of our classes. She's my Josh's like uh, one of his best friends um girl that's right. Yes, She's yeah, yeah, son. Yeah. God, I was like, I feel like I know someone uh, <laughs> And she's badass. And I know she's worked in the fields and she's done stuff like that. And I, But I don't know if she's made wine. I would imagine she mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. Like, is like, that a thing? Like, are people making wine if you're a sommelier?
0: I like to think so. I mean, the few wine people I follow, it tends to be like you're either on that Tasting restaurant service end, or you're in the production end, but the, I mean, there has to be crossover. That'd be crazy if there wasn't. It's got to be
1: similar crossover.
0: I do know that there's good, some good conversation going on right now. Um, I follow uh Krista Scruggs, she is a wine producer out in Vermont. Her um, her company is called Zaffa wine, Zafa Wine Z A F A, and she does a lot of talk and a lot of work on um, kind of like the people who work in the fields, the the Mm -hmm. people who are really like picking and processing your fruit, um, which is a huge aspect of wine that Mm -hmm. goes overlooked. Something we've covered a little bit in terms of hop farmers and grain growers. um, But, you know, wine has for so long been viewed as this really like high class kind of limited access beverage and worlds and her, her one of her missions right now, From what I've seen is that she's like, no, we need to talk about everything that goes into this because she I think she just like started planting her first vineyard before she was kind of like leasing land and working off that. And now she's really working on her own stuff. And um, she's like, we need to know everything. We need to know from the beginning of planting to our end, opening a bottle, like what the process is and who the people are that are involved. So hopefully we see more of that because I think she's a really good leader in that industry i gotta follow her i mean
1: i've heard of the i, I don't think i've ever had her wine um
0: but, i haven't uh,
1: either it's, it's hard to get a hold of and this is something that you guys touched on too uh you and casey about you know looking at all aspects of the brewery like where do you source it from who do you mm-hmm. you know all that kind of stuff and there's a lot of breweries that are very thoughtful about every single bit that they put in totally to their, and like you could taste it and not only that like you we have the, we're at this point where we there's like what eight thousand breweries like we could decide not to go there because they are not as thoughtful as the other brewery yeah their beer's good but like you know the same price and i like it both but one is just more they treat their employees better they're they're like ethically right. sourced scene um okay yeah no brainer i guess i'll go with that one
0: right Yeah. Um, since I just brought up Krista Scruggs too, um, apparently she was just in Seattle because her business partner, a woman named Caitlin Brom, she just started a cider company out of Wenatchee, Washington called Yonder. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Dave posted about it, I think. Um, so they're like business partners. I think she has like some stake in Zafa. So Krista was out here. I'm like talking about them. Like I know them. I wish they were my friends. They're not, uh, Listen, we'll shout out. out your girl. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of like a cool relationship. And there's like this new cider company coming out. Um, they just did their first canning run, I think a couple weeks ago. So I don't Saw know how available. On Instagram. Is... Yeah, I don't know how available it's going to be in um, Seattle market. Hopefully we start seeing it soon. Um, but yeah, I know that because she works closely in that same kind of mindset. I don't know as much about her Caitlin Brahms as I do. Krista, but um, it seems like she has totally the same mindset Is probably working very sustainably and ethically and all that good stuff, all the stuff that matters. Yeah. Um,
1: that's really cool. Maybe we could try to get them on a little chatty chat.
0: Oh my God. I'd fucking love it.
1: But to go back to the home real quick. Um, yeah. uh, it's been really interesting just because I don't want to forget this thought. Um, it's been really interesting because of all the downsizing that's had to happen with Uh, BA and um, DHA and being part of the governing committee, which is just a, a, you know, a volunteer position, um, Mm -hmm. that to see the changes, I think obviously people that were, you know, let go, it's really sad. And they were, I thought, indispensable. Um, But it's interesting. I think that we're on a really cool track right now when it comes to homebrewing where I think we can get more people like membership's always been an issue. Like we always want to get more and more people involved. Um, and I've always been like, but it just feels like we're focusing on things that are kind of for a demographic that we already have. Um, mm-hmm. and it skews a little bit older. And I'm just gonna sound like such an asshole. Like it's not like I'm some young spreak chicken. Um, but you know, I think that gearing things more towards like young people is just the just the smartest move to have. And the guy who took over, he was VP over at the Bruce Association. But now he he's like in charge of the AHA as well. His name is Ryan Farrell. And he's got, I don't know how old he is, but he's like in his 30s. Um, and it, it, it's interesting listening to him. I just always think that getting more young people is the way to go.
0: I, uh, I am totally on board because it's like there's always going to be things that you don't know about you're not aware of communication style social media there's always going to be shit that like we don't know in our generation so like let's get people with fresh ideas I'm all for having a staff that is not only diverse in like ethnicity and gender and all that but like in age too like you need to have all these different perspectives yeah
1: and it's like it makes me so sad that Gary was like, "Oh, and he's not old; um, he's in his 50s. But like, mm-hmm. dude, like that's before you want to retire. Like, and people are already yeah. the ageism is a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And he'll probably be fine. He's great. He'll he'll find something different. But I'm just like, God, that's, he was with the. I think he was at HA for thirty years, almost thirty years. <laughs> was he cut it because of his salary? That's what I'm thinking. I don't know the details. Um yeah. But uh, like Julia Hers, she was let go. I don't know who that is. Uh look, uh, she um she's wrote she wrote a couple books. One is the beer pairing book. Uh she oh. her whole thing was um craftbeer.com. She Okay. I, yeah, so she's her big thing is education cuz craftbeer.com is pretty cool. It's a great resource. <laughs> great free resource. Um but yeah, she was let go. Damn, dude. But anyways, I'm I, I'm a little nervous about homebrewing, to be honest. Because... Yeah. I mean, Zymer G is, like, one of the biggest cells. It's cheap to join the AHA. It's not expensive. And they just introduced... And this is something that Gary was a big proponent of, um, of just doing, like, monthly. Mm. Like, very short. Like, 3 dollars And you get access to... Yeah. All the recipes, all the articles, everything. Which wow, like that's one huge. of the best. It's the best resource because you could any schmoke can put some recipe online, but like, how do you know it's gonna be good? Right. or it's like, or like misinform- you're just like
0: trolling. Yeah, you're trolling the forums trying to find like something. Dude, that's,
1: that's another thing. The forum. Like, when's the last time you were on a forum? No, I never. Never. Yeah. Like the HA forum was like such a big deal for so long, and I was like. I'm sorry, What? what is that? I mean, I know what it is, but, like, I was like, oh, yeah, yikes. I've just never been, like, a big Reddit person. I, I've been on Reddit. Yeah, I, I've yeah. gone on there when I, like, really needed to get deep into something. But, like, there's a lot of possibilities. I think it's going to be good for homebrewers, but I think it has to be virtual. Yeah, I think you're right. Just, like, with a lot of things, like, maybe – I just never got into doing club stuff because I just didn't like need to hang out with people about mm-hmm. that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I always on the internet reading.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, so obviously AJ and BA are um, the two biggest sources and the most important sources um, for many reasons. I think one is the curation. <laughs> so, you know, you're getting quality stuff cause you're paying for it. Yep. Um, But, you know, besides that, I think that like if again, I'm not a homebrewer, so like I'm just giving advice on what I do know. But it seems like if you are interested in homebrewing, it's like become a part of the AHA just because it's worth it. Um, But then also like, you know, seek out your local um, homebrew supply shop. See if there is a club associated with it. And, you know, like you're saying virtual, like hopefully there's going to be more resources that are more accessible. Like say you don't have a homebrew shop near you but you can order something online, but you still need kind of like some sort of communication, any sort of like virtual class or virtual meetup or something like that would be really beneficial.
1: That's a great point you bring up. And especially now because of COVID like clubs are Mm -hmm. struggling. Like what do we do? Like what kind of fun events can we do? Um, Homebrew shop. Like if you're really good homebrew shops, you know, have, have already done virtual classes. They're continuing to do it. They're doing virtual beer swaps. Um, Mm-hmm. And home so- shops are like the most like comfortable place because it's like a bunch of n- nerds making beer, um, tinkering with their systems.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's almost like a bookstore, of, which it is. Uh, but you know, like that comfortability of like uh, a bookstore or something like that. Like there's just a lot of information.
1: Yeah, and there's just the internet has so much information that it helps if you just kind of narrow it down and be like, okay. Well, AHA seems a great way to start. start. And right. And then, because you know it's good, they're going to lead you to places that are legit. hmm Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. And like you're saying, especially when you're starting out, like if you're just on whatever random site or forum, like you don't know how good that recipe is going to be. Like go to the professionals. Like they're going to give you the good information.
1: And they'll tell you why. And like,
0: yes. you know. Yeah.
1: And it's cool that, Uh, There's competitions, like the National Homebrew Competition, which didn't happen this Mm -hmm. year, um, is like an incredible feat, first of all, of just like organization. (laughs) Yeah. But John Moorhead, who's in charge of that and now is in charge of other things because of the, you know, layoffs, he's like, he has super knowledge about beer. So it's like, and everyone who works there does, but like, you know, you just know that it's not just someone... I don't know. Who knows? We're like making the rest of the internet seem like it's just awful.
0: I mean, it's not, but it is. <laughs> We're just trying to provide good information and good resources. for people. I'm
1: really glad that you bring that up though, because I was thinking to myself, and this is not just with beer, but like how people
0: shun experts. Like left it's and right. Fascinating. It's like, fascinating. Because yes, there's so much alternative information.
1: Like, especially with COVID. Right. And people being like, well, the mainstream doctors and I'm like, that's not a thing. No, that's no, that's that person's been discredited. Um, like why, or you you know what I mean? Just experts in anything. Like, I mean, the administration does that because if you hire an expert, you're going to hear things that are um, not the lies that you've told everyone else. Right. But it happens in beer too. Right. Like, you know, we've worked really hard to get these certifications that people can roll their eyes at, and that's fine. But, like, whatever. did you roll your eyes at? <laughs> I, I'm going to make an, an, an
0: <laughs> analogy but... that is
1: so ridiculous. I'm like, Did you roll your eyes at the MD? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, but it's the doctor. same idea. It's the same idea.
1: Like, I get it. You can have so much knowledge and have years of experience and not have any of that that's cool and people will respect you but um you don't need to automatically just think that someone who's worked hard to get something is then just dumb or just it's silly
0: right yeah like the knowledge is still there like yeah it is interesting where it's like why wouldn't you just trust someone who like has more experience or certification or fucking anything that is more than you have I don't know. I mean, I know why people distrust because the world's a nightmare, but it's really interesting.
1: (laughs) I think it's also the, the expert thing or just like people don't, when they want to like tell a story about their beer, they don't want someone coming in and being like, yeah, but like no one's smelling that, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you're doing like blind, tastings or like whatever of whatever and you're they're like oh we're gonna make this beer and it's gonna be like this and the label's already printed and then you're like well yeah but I don't there's no pine quality at all and you're like and I I, I did all the I've done all the things you can to try to get that from people right and no one's getting that and they're like well that's that Oh man. Like, then maybe, I don't know, you should just start with being honest and real. And like, and this is not even an expert thing. I think I went on a tangent, but like, I don't know. I just I... can't stand disingenuity, in, it, disingenuous, just disin, genuine entity, Just, just. Yeah, just what's the noun for
0: that? Fucking liars. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean again like why you you have to rely on the senses you can't just say this is what you want it to be and then it It is like that's not that's not how it works
1: that's like so trumpian to be
0: like
1: i'm sorry i said his name um like to be (laughs) like this is it and you're like but that's not and he's like but i just said it was it's so dangerous. It's so. Insane. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's mind control and I don't like it. I think this COVID and people doing virtual stuff will end up helping um, home brewers and home brewing in general or mm-hmm. just some clubs or people talking about beer and educating themselves about beer because there's been a lot of really cool content out there. Because if you're not agreed able just to go out and just drink drag, which I can't wait till I can do that. Um, you're like, oh, I might as well better myself slightly.
0: Yes, exactly. I just think that, you know, if you're looking for community, if you're interested in beer, I I do think it's a really cool way to go. If you If you want a hobby, if you think that if you want to challenge yourself, learn something new, get involved, it really is a good way to kind of you know, build a little community. And I hate the word network, but it is inherent networking and, you know, get to know more people in the industry, maybe become like friends with professional brewers. And who knows, you know, you meet people at your homebrew shop, blah, blah, blah. Like there's good stuff there. And, you know, again, it's not something I've participated in. I'm sure one day down the road when I have more space, I will, but um, it's beneficial for sure. You'd be good at it. You think so? I'm nervous that I'm not going to be good at it, which is why I haven't.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a perfectionist. And like, because of life situation, I don't have my brewing stuff. But like, it's just like, what's the worst that happens? You just make a bad beer.
0: I mean, that's true. Yeah. It's like, you're never going to learn anything unless you fail about it. So. And I failed most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a big thing, too, is like, don't expect your first 10 homebrews to be that great
1: <laughs> i mean and they might be great north seattle homebrewers uh is a really cool brewery brewery i mean yeah but um homebrew club that i know a lot of two three of the people uh that are on the governing committee oh nice yeah oh yeah and it's uh you know a major focus too is uh diversity and inclusion all of the budget got cut bullshit. Um mm-hmm. but I know it's like a gigantic focus of just like the HA predominantly cool. being white men, but um mm-hmm. the governing committee if you look online, like if that could be like a just a small example of how the HA could be, we'd be yes. like, we'd be t- we'd yes.
0: group- in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um cool. Well, good chat. Good chat. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye.
1: That was a Titancast episode.